Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the podcast. If you have had any experience at all with a narcissist, you will know how manipulative they are. They want to control everything and they are very cunning about it. A narcissist loves to target the codependent personality type 
and they will manipulate emotions in their victims and continue to weaken and destabilize that person so that the victim is always in a vulnerable state and therefore more easily manipulated. This quick chat with traumatologist Dr. Melanie Salmon is the perfect example of manipulation on a grand scale. Melanie's mother was a narcissist and when Melanie was nine years old, her mother told her a secret, something Melanie was allowed to tell nobody. And this secret ruled her life for many, many years. It was like being in a prison of secrets and it was terrifying for a little girl. Please join me as Dr. Salmon is explaining about how trauma can start as early as in the womb. I think what I've learned since becoming a traumatologist and working on trauma is that our trauma can start in the womb. And that was certainly the case with my mother. My mother was 18 years old. Uh, she was married, but she was very traumatized herself. Uh, she'd lost her own mother and she'd been brought up in a convent uh, and then was farmed around to various uh, relatives and sexually abused as well by one of her relatives. So she was a very inexperienced, traumatized young mother and uh, very stressed throughout her pregnancy. And from the time I was born, I was nothing but a headache for her. She, she couldn't connect with me. She, one of the stories she told me was how she found breastfeeding disgusting to have to take her breasts out to feed me. So she couldn't do that. Um, she couldn't stand touch, so she would push me off her lap and so on. So at a very early age, by the time I was three, I remember seeing some photographs of myself. At the age of one, I've got that sort of lovely wide-eyed trusting of life is wonderful. But by the time I was three, I was already, my shoulders were forward in hunched position and I was looking down and I was no longer trusting life. Um, so, so my mother's relationship with me was very problematic. She was uh, now looking back on it. I know that she suffered narcissistic personality disorder. So besides being traumatized, uh, she was unable to connect with me and she was unable to meet my needs. She couldn't understand them. Everything was about her. And so I grew up from a very young age, learning to serve her, to be of service can remember very clearly those years from uh, six to nine because I had a significant event at nine and between six and nine I was taking care of the youngsters I was very outgoing I loved school I played sports uh, we had neighbors next door so my best friend was next door and we would I was the leader in the neighborhood games during the school holidays somehow I still remained relatively normal until I was nine and then an event occurred that completely switched me off and and changed me and the event was that well my mother was obviously not a very normal person at all and uh, she wasn't able to control me and keep me for her own needs because I was so outgoing despite everything and what she did at the age of nine was she she called me in and told me a secret that I was not to share with anyone else uh, and the secret was that she'd heard from the doctors that day that she had leukemia and she had a year to live. 
And uh, I, I was, I never forget being told this, it was in the semi-dark, I wasn't allowed to put the light on. And she just told me this and she made me promise that I would tell nobody. And outside at that time in, at the barbecue were my aunt and uncle who were both doctors and my father and they were all having this lovely evening out at the barbecue. And I walked out into the, into the night with this news that my mother was going to die and I had nowhere to go. And what that created for me for the next 10 years until I entered medical school, it created a, a prison of being unable to share anything because all my fears, all my anxieties and terrors were related to her about to die. So I just hung around her. I used to even lose, leave school in the middle of the day and walk home three miles to make sure she was okay. And I'd arrive in the middle of a, a school morning and she'd say, what are you doing here? And I'd say, I just come to see if you're okay. Of course I'm okay, she'd say. So it was a lie. It actually wasn't true, but I didn't know that. I only discovered that when I became a doctor and learned hematology and realized that she didn't have any of the symptoms and never did have of leukemia. And, and so when I confronted her just to finish the story at medical school, I was utterly shocked because I, I became a doctor in order to help her and, and, and discovered that she didn't actually have leukemia. I didn't know what she had, but I came home and I confronted her. I told her I'd learned that day and looked at, looked at the blood cells under the microscope and she doesn't have leukemia. What was she talking about all those years? And she just went into complete denial. She just said, I didn't say anything of the sort. So having my childhood of 10 years of horror and imprisonment denied in one fell swoop like that was just too much to take. I couldn't deal with it. I just, I think something changed in my brain and I just walked away and, and disconnected couldn't handle it. So yeah, I've had a lot of trauma to deal with from the past. Yeah, absolutely. And so was that the end of your relationship with your mother? It it took me, it made me um, pull away from her drastically. Yes. By that time I was about 20. I was still living at home because I did medical school from home, but I very soon after that left, left home and I, I never regained a relationship with her she then started to, to use my brothers and sisters for her needs to be met. I've distanced myself because of the, the shock of that lie. Um, yeah. And she actually only died last year at the age of 93. So yeah. she lived a full life, full and long life. Yeah. But she was a very bitter, unhappy woman. She was an alcoholic. So my teenage years were trying to you know pick her up at night out of the toilet and wash her down and get her to bed, that sort of thing. It, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah. And really the entire thing, I mean, all of those years was really just betrayal, wasn't it? Yeah. And, I mean, how do you ever overcome that sort of betrayal? It must have been hard to trust anybody, I guess. Yes, I don't think, I think I've had a trust issue all my life. I don't anymore. But I did find it hard to trust, you're right. Yeah. It were my own kids when they came along. So I, it was completely opposite with them. <laughs> yes. And what about your, your dad was here around as you were older? Did you have a relationship no, with your dad? What probably stimulated my mother to, to have that bizarre storyline in order to, to meet her needs was that they got divorced when I was nine. And because my father was a lawyer, 
they everything was secrets in this family and this is so nice to talk about because the secrets have to be broken but they didn't want anyone in Johannesburg to know that he had he was a divorce lawyer himself so he didn't want the shame of going through his own divorce so they went and got divorced in another town they drove five miles out of Johannesburg to another small district got divorced there in the courts came back and he said to her, you can't tell the children, you can't let anyone know we're divorced. So it was a bizarre situation. So what she did was she told me she was ill, but she was probably suffering from the shock of divorce. And then he left and he eventually married another woman. So we didn't see much of him after the age of nine. So when I had my mother so-called dying on me, I also had a father who left and he didn't, he, he had very little to do with us in the years that followed. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.